Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Crystal Silence League Hour, live from Divine Harmony Spiritual Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the LMC Radio Network, a show dedicated to open-minded discussion of spirituality, new thought, prayer, and the practical use of crystals. And now, your host, the Reverend John St. Germain. Happy February 23rd. That's got to be some important day somewhere in the lexiconography of world important days. The Reverend John St. Germain. We're here in Knoxville, Tennessee. It was like spring today. It was in the 60s or something, bright sunlight. And uh, this time last week was bitterly cold to the point of you craved for the sweet release of death's rough touch. It was terrible. And... uh, it's so cold. My dog went outside. She likes to get in the car and drive around with me. And she went outside and peed and turned around and went right back inside. She just said, no, no, went back to bed. Never mind about this. So uh, we have that uh, juggling weather here where the seasons fight bitterly for uh, control of the world of East Tennessee. Why anybody would want to fight for control of East Tennessee, I have no idea. But you know, there it is. I just report the news. I don't make it. Yay, episode 222, 222. And uh, you know, what is this, a train station? Um, but no, it's episode 222, and we're just chugging right along. Um, neither wind nor rain nor hail will stop the show, although Blog Talk often attempts to with its uh, um, idiosyncrasies. Um, Crystal Silence League, for those of you who don't know, was founded around 1917 uh, by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of projecting through the vehicle of the crystal ball positive prayer and affirmation for all those who needed it. And he had an organization called the Crystal Silence League, and uh, to join that was fairly simple. You just bought a book from the C. Alexander Publishing Company, or you bought a crystal, you bought a reading, or you just sent a letter, a postcard, and uh, you became a member, and uh, he... um, supplied crystal balls and literature and instructions on um, the daily method, which is in the morning you get up and you face the direction the sun rises and you send out positive thoughts and prayers. And at night you, uh, or at midday, you do the same thing. And at night you receive the positive thoughts and prayers that have been set sent out. So, um, or some people do it the other way. Some get up and receive and then they send at night. But, the idea is that as the sun circles the world, so do these prayers of peace and healing and strength and prosperity um, circle the world in a network. And in his time, he did have a worldwide network, and he passed into the silence about 1954. And uh, so did the Crystal Silence League, although some people still carried cards and some people still practiced. We we hear from them now and again. And uh, People will say, well, this was my grandfather's membership card. Is it still good? And uh, I said, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, of course, a legacy. Why not? And um, so um, prayer is always free. We don't charge for prayer. We will send you to the gift shop if you want to to buy some crystals and books and things. Our recently refurbished and now working gift shop, still under construction, but still now working. And um, our prayer page has uh, – I just went over there and policed it a little bit, cleaned it up a little bit. Um, several – about 100 more prayers than last week. We won't read them all. But read about half of them. And uh, we're just chugging right along, chugging right along. And um, so we do teach the practical use of crystals and crystal balls, um, among other things. And if you look in the archives, I've often spoke about the four branches of crystallomancy that – Mr. Collin talked about, and we have a book called Secrets of the Crystal Silence League that you can get, I think, for $10, and uh, I think you might even get it free if you buy a certain amount of crystals, uh, crystal balls and stuff. It may be thrown in free. 
used to be about $12 worth of crystal balls or other crystals. The the book was included free. It may still be true. You might have to check. I'm not in charge of that aspect of the Crystal Silence League. I'm, I'm just the voice of the Crystal Silence League. I just do the show. And we have a newsletter that I used to edit, and we have it in archives, and it's been recently uh, re-edited and updated for your downloading pleasure. Um, but I guess we could uh, – uh, there's no real news. Uh, uh, Mars Perseverance uh, rover is uh, kicking along looking for evidence of life on Mars, and there's a part of that project where they're going to see they can convert carbon monoxide on Mars to oxygen. There are serious plans being made to colonize Mars within the next 10 years to put people on Mars. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that great? I think I, think, I just love stuff like that. I was witness to the uh, first moon landing, you know, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin in uh, 1969. Um, I was in the uh, fifth grade. I stayed up to watch it. And... Uh, it was a memory I'll I'll never forget. I remember even at nine years old, I thought this is this is really something. This is something I should always remember. They were like superheroes. Um, anyway, um, our crystal of the week is uh, vanadinite, and um, vanadinite is a uh, a lovely crystal. If you look at it. it uh, it looks like it came from the planet Krypton or something. It has uh, cubicles um, going in every direction, and uh, it is um, um, uh, a stone that resonates uh, being orange-red uh, to the root chakra, sacral chakra. So uh, it can help a lot with things of the uh, uh, the base uh, motivations. It can – well, I know it can help a lot with uh, sexuality and reproductive issues. That's one of the main things I've seen it used for. Um, it helps with creativity. It helps with grounding. Um, it helps to uh, motivate you if you're in a slump. It, it will help motivate you. Um, uh, some people suggest you put uh, one of the cubes that you can break off of it uh, under your pillow. I wouldn't put the whole spiky clump under your pillow. That'd be a restless night. Um, and uh, that it will um, help your weight being energized. But uh, I know a couple of people I know that tried that said they couldn't sleep because it stimulated the uh, uh, the root and sacral chakra, and their brain wouldn't be quiet. Uh, it um, energizes the creativity and. Uh, so maybe you know maybe you wake up energized, but not after a good night's sleep. Um, it helps you with self control and discipline. It um, it, it can um, uh, help you um, if you have problems with underindulge. Uh, if you if you overindulge, I mean, overspend, get addicted to um, internet shopping, um, power shopping, uh, overeating, um, overindulging of any kind. You see you see there's a theme to these. Um, Stones I'm picking here. Um, they can help you with your mental discipline. You know, to just step back and say, you know, no, I need to really slow down on this. Uh, practice a little temperance, a little temperate activity. And I have suggested uh, this and uh, orange kyanite to people who are addicted to binge watching television shows, which has happened during this pandemic. And oh, that, yeah, I saw a. Uh, uh, apparently, it's a problem. Um, or I don't guess it's a problem. It's actually kind of stupid, but uh, uh, it's, it's okay. Old old man complaining moment. Old man grouching moment here. Um, there was a um, a very serious thread by uh, someone I respect deeply. I won't, I won't give you the name. Just go look on the internet. But he he, uh, he was a he's a writer and author, and he 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 wrote a couple of the original Star Trek episodes. And I follow him on Facebook and um, on a few other blogs. And he, he said that there's a lot of complaining about television shows that only come out once a week that are released an episode at a time instead of being bulk dropped so that people can binge watch them. And uh, when I was a kid, up to adulthood, um, up to recently even, um, that was part of the experience. You'd watch a show one week. There would be a cliffhanger. You would talk about it all week long until the next show, and that's what we do with Twin Peaks. I was 
young. Um, what was that? College age? Yeah, college age when Twin Peaks first aired. And uh, so a show would come out, and we would uh, talk about it all week long and speculate. And uh, so what's going to happen next? You know, what, what in the world? You know, who did this? And uh, where is this going to go? And then we'd watch the show and go, ah, and then have more discussion. Binge watching does not allow this. You don't have that breathing space to um, um, digest the uh, the stories, and that's why a lot of the shows that I've seen that you binge watch, the storytelling is very bad, very shallow. Um, there's uh, a lot of the old story writing had A story, B story, C story, and even D story going, and uh, most of the binge watching shows I've seen on like HBO, Showtime, things like this, they have A story. There's no B, C, D, or E. And if you want to see a movie that's got great B, C, and D stories, look at Die Hard. Die Hard is a perfect movie. Um, you've got your main story. Then you've got uh, the B story of uh, the policeman. Um, then you've got the C story of what's really going on with Hans Gruber. Then you've got this D story about the film crew, of all things. What's going on with that film crew, the, uh, um, the announcer and the uh, – other announcer. There's something going on. There's something going on with the film crew. That's why this guy's so pushy. And and then you've got another story, uh, the E story about um, what's going on with the Yamaguchi employees. There's so much in that movie. You can watch it again and again and again and again. Um, it's not a linear story with um, uh, uh, aliens invade, invading New York. Superheroes get together. They have. Um, some very shallow personal issues, but they overcome them and uh, kick aliens' ass while exchanging witty repertoire. Um, and a whole lot of special effects and blowing things up in fight scenes. Uh, and um, what movie is that, uh, Reverend John? Well, that's about every uh, movie that's come out since I've been 30, I think. Um, so uh, this this whole idea that uh, um, a creative team must sit down and say, okay, we've got to produce 20 episodes immediately and drop them out in episodic fashion so people can binge watch. Um, you're not going to be able to do that. And uh, I'm going to tell you that I've watched some of the shows now, like some of the recent Star Trek shows series, and I couldn't watch them because I said, these are scripts that Gene Roddenberry would have sent back to the writers and said, this is a good first draft, but you're going to have to rewrite this two or three more times before I'll put it on the air. I'm really sorry, but they are. The, the, the uh, scripts for um, Star Trek Discovery uh, and Picard, those shows, they would have been good first drafts for uh, Gene Roddenberry. He would, have sent, he would have marked them up and sent them back. If you read the uh, um, anecdotes of people who wrote for Gene, like City on the Edge of Forever um, – uh, you know, the Harlan Ellison screenplay, it was rewritten five or six times before it aired. And uh, the final version was uh, rewritten by D.C. Fontana, uh, as it turned out. And, um, of course, Harlan Ellison complained bitterly about it being rewritten, but it came out a better script. Gene Roddenberry would send these things back again and again and again until he said, okay, I've got a good story here. This I can air. You know, the uh, new series don't do that. It's like a first draft goes out. And you sit there and you think, there's a lot wrong with this. There's a lot of questions that aren't being answered. So, Vanadonite, you want to get things done. You want to do them correctly. You want to be able to persevere, see it through to the long term, um, put up with a lot of uh, opposition and still get through it. This is a very good stone uh, to look for. That was a long discussion about that, wasn't it? Um, so there you go. All right. Well, we are approaching um, a time where I'm, I'm going to need to prepare myself and um, um, go pray for those individuals who need prayer for. Let me take a drink of water, and I'll be with you in just a moment. The time approaches for our weekly prayer service. If you are so inclined... Join us at crystalsilenceleague.org to see this week's prayer request.
All right, we are on the uh, prayer site, prayer request page, and oh my goodness, we've had some since the last time I was here. Um, so we'll start with prayer ID 102620, who says, pray for a full exposure to a group within and around showing the negative behavior. Hmm. Pray for peace and full change at a new work. Leave received with offered given. Pray Jay knows it's as told. Pray he sees never ID associates with as or respond. Amen. Prayer ID 102619. Please help me properly pay spirits love. Thank you, Saints Anthony, Espedy, Jude, Michael, Saints Martin, Depores, Francis of Assisi, and Sun, Venus, and Jupiter, and Ancestors. Amen. And prayer ID 102617, our weekly prayer from uh, Mr. R.T., who says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Amen. And prayer ID 102616, I ask for protection of my finances. Protect me from those who would try to overcharge me unfairly. Help me find good bargains. Help me have enough money each month to meet all needs. Amen. And prayer ID 102615, who says, please help me in prayer for my friend I. She lives as a single mother, mother in St. Lucia in a town with limited work opportunities. And I pray for her to gain meaningful good employment and gain complete independence and protection from all negative people and energies. And I pray for protection of her and her child's health and health care and that obstacles be lifted so she can be the powerful and beautiful, uplifting spirit that she has for herself and for others and the opportunities to live her dreams and have the support. Amen. And prayer ID 102614, who says, Please remove M from M's life. Destroy all links and ties to her from M's life forever. End all communication and contact now, forever and always. Amen. And prayer ID 102613. On Sunday, February 21st, 2021, my nephew went to the store near our house and a random guy started picking with him. My nephew DJ thought he wanted to fight because the guy was looking in all the cars and throwing gang signs. Uh, getting down to it, he entered the store. The guy threatened my nephew, saying he killed demons and showed him a knife and gun. After my nephew pulled off, the guy shot at him and almost shot him in the head. The bullet didn't go through, but I need everyone to keep him in prayer. Amen. Prayer ID 102612. Please pray that I may be delivered from the curses and ill will being sent my way. Amen. 102611. Please pray that I am accepted into the Navy internship for the 21-22 academic year. Amen. And prayer ID 102610, who prays, please pray for my fiancé, Jay, as he needs emotional support from people that love him in dealing with his emotions and severe depression. And I also need strength and wisdom to help my fiancé emotionally. And I got into a big argument last night due to his depression and stress, but you can't blame him. He's tired of being mistreated by people. We both are living in a toxic environment with L and everyone now. Please help us. Amen. And prayer ID 102608. Praying for doors of opportunity will be open for D. I pray a perfect job opportunity comes in for him now and provides good pay and benefits in a friendly work environment. I pray his needs are provided during this time and that he is divinely guided and surrounded with favor. Thank you for prayers. Praying your prayers are answered to Amen. And prayer ID 10607. My prayers are for Jarrett. My prayer is for Jarrett to find a better job that's good salary, located somewhere he desires to be, to have better coworkers who teamwork and less stressful. And amen. And prayer ID 102606 prays for healing and protection over me and my two sons. I pray our needs will be provided during this time. 
and praying for healing for Jay. Also, thanks for praying for us. Amen. Um, okay. Prayer ID 102604 and 102603. She prays, I, I pray I'm healed from the infidelity of my partner. I'm powerless against my triggers. I haven't forgiven myself and him and others. I'm strong and loving and loved. And she also prays that her eyes are healthy, uh, her eyesight sharp and clear in their own, that her uh, mybomium glands all function perfectly. We need Dr. Jeremy to explain what those are. And my peripheral vision is perfect. She prays, I hope my brain is healthy as well. I can see 2020 without the aids of glasses, contacts, or surgery. Amen. Uh, we just need a couple here, more here. Um, I'd love to pray for everybody, but we don't have time. Um, and um, pray ready 102593. Please pray that my chronic pain will go away and MS will be less severe so that I can focus on my goals and works toward a better life. Every time I settle down, to work on my dissertation, homework, or any other important task, chronic pain, or other MS complication gets in my way, please pray that I can move forward and overcome this. 102.592, please pray to remove an abusive person from my family. May the toxic person who's trying to create a rift between my sister's children and me be removed from the family. They're new to the family and have manipulated someone to their will. May they swiftly separate from my family and go in peace. Amen. Let's take a moment of silent prayer um, for all those in need of support, comfort, and uplifting. Station identification. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Yay! All the uh, business is out of the way. Now we can talk about our um, topics, right? Um, last week I left off uh, on a cliffhanger, and then everybody had to wait a week, and there was much wailing on the internet about it. And said, so we need we need to binge listen. So you can go over to um, the archives, either on my uh, website, <clears throat> www.johnsg.com, or on the Lucky Mojo forum under the um, – Crystal Silence League, where they're all archived. Binge listen if you want to, or you can just wait each week. So 
we left off, um, I was talking about how uh, we uh, attach to unwholesome things, and this creates misery. And right at the very end, I start talking about the six perfections, the uh, uh, paramitas, the uh, divine modes, and that we are uh, encouraged um, uh, with these six perfections to um, uh, fill our mind with this instead of the junk, that these divine states, these states of perfections, are uh, better to dwell on. And so if we find ourselves uh, dwelling in a negative or unwholesome mind state, we're encouraged to find a antidote to that among one of the six perfections. Right. So um, um, the uh, the full six of them are wisdom, which you, in the Sanskrit they called pranya, pranya, wisdom, dana, which is generosity. That's giving gifts to others. Uh, morality, patience, um, energy, and then there's meditation. And uh, by developing these six these six perfections, these six perfections. An entire practice can be built on this. Uh, when uh, um, when some people talk about Buddhism, especially me, uh, it can sound really complicated. You know, the Abhidharma. Yeah, there's 52 state mental states that arise with every thought, and here's here they are. Uh, 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 it can be very, but truly, uh, dwelling and cultivating these six steps, uh, the Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Paths, and the uh, Six Perfections. There's a whole lot of lists, a lot of numbers in Buddhism. But this cultivating this will improve anyone's life immeasurably. So generosity is not the act of giving itself, but willingness to give to others what they need. And that can be time. That can be possessions. It can be your, using your skills. And you 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 will you're willing to do this means you do it without regret and you give it without expectations of reward you do it because it needs to be done it's something to do and you do it with joy because it feels good to do it and uh, you don't do it um because you expect gratitude in exchange and that's that's something i find a lot someone will try to do something and they go well yeah, you know, I tried to do it for this person, and then they were so ungrateful. They said, "Well, you know, why did you expect gratitude? Is that why you did it? Because you wanted to have somebody, uh, you know, worship you, uh, you know, bask in their gratitude? Or did you do it because it was something it needed doing? So, uh, generosity and this willing to give your skills and uh, time to to people just because it's something it needs doing. Uh, I always think about you know uh, Jimmy Carter, who used to be president, going out and building houses for poor people, and he's what in his nineties and he's still out doing uh, Habitat for Humanity, uh, giving his time and energy and his skills uh, joyfully uh, building houses for people. And you think this is this is. The 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 dana paramita in action, the dana paramita, the act of generosity, the perfection of generosity, and what great peace this must give him. People can say anything they want to about him. Um, they can they can say anything they want to about him, but in his mind he knows, you know that that that, that means nothing to me because I dwell in the dana paramita. And generosity, morality means that you follow um, um, the moral path, and this could be the Dharma, the path of Buddha. It could be uh, whatever moral path does no harm, but you do it. You really do it without thinking. You do. You work it into your daily life. It's not a, a rituals and um, um, routines. And I used to get into um, uh, a bit of trouble because. Uh, like on Isanga, where I moderated, people would uh, talk academically a lot about the Dharma. And I'd say, so what do you, how does this affect your life? What are you doing in your life? And very few people could give me an answer. I would say, so this 
uh, Suda you just described. How are you putting this into practice in your day? Well, I meditate on no in your daily life as you go through your day, talking to people, interacting with people. How are you putting this into practice? And this is what morality is. It means you put it into practice in your daily life with without thinking about it, but you do it with intelligence. You do it with understanding of the effects of your actions. And um, um, this is called sila, the sila paramita, and patience. Um, it's sometimes uh, translated as tolerance and understanding or even endurance. Um, that means being patient with others. Uh, means you endure the hardships of life, you put up with the world, and you accept the truth of dukkha. And that's part of patience, that there's dukkha, there's suffering, there's tension, there's stress, there's unsatisfactoriness, and that nothing and no one is going to live up to unrealistic expectations. And that's part of your patience. When we get frustrated with a situation or a person, it's because they're not doing what we want them to do. It's as pure and simple as that. And to develop patience, you don't and this is very hard. I'm not saying it's easy to do. You just don't have um, – you don't try to force an outcome, and it's, it's very hard. We're, you know, Being human beings, we, we're, we're going to do that, and we are going to be disappointed and frustrated, but we can minimize it if we have this idea that nothing is – nothing out there is ever going to match to the perfection that we can imagine in our minds. You know, artists and writers struggle with that. Painters uh, and artists, they say, oh, I've got this beautiful thing in my mind, but and then they struggle to put it on canvas. Um, it, it's never what it looks like in your mind. Music never sounds like what it sounds like in your mind. Um, so energy is the other one, and that's the uh, dedication uh, to becoming the best person you can be. In Buddhism, it's uh, you know, d- attaining Buddhahood, <laughs> you know, to, to become a Buddha. Um, but... Um, uh, in our daily lives, this means you're dedicated to becoming the best you can be. You know, you know, I dedicate myself to being the the very best that I can be. And um, meditation is the foundation of wisdom. And inner focus and calm are essential for any of these to work. Meditation is the foundation of all the practices. Um, um, a daily meditation practice or Two or three times a day is very good. And if you can find a meditation group, so much the better. There's something about meditating in a group that is uh, its very solid. It's a very solid feeling. And you can discuss your experiences. And uh, it does need to have a, a very good um, uh, and, and grounded leader or teacher. And by that I mean not somebody who's read a lot of New Age books, you know, and um, – thinks they know what they're doing because things can happen during meditation um, just like things can happen during hypnotism right there's a thing called abreaction in hypnosis and some people can have a uh, you know there's a meditation sickness um, if you meditate too much um, or you meditate incorrectly especially you do it a lot there's a meditation sickness um uh, a mental derangement that can come from it. So it's important that meditation is performed, like most things, correctly, right? And wisdom is uh, usually, if you see a pyramid of these things or a circle, wisdom is usually um, uh, right there at the top or one of the most important. This is understanding sunyata in Buddhism, understanding sunyata, that all existence is empty of intrinsic identity, that all of existence is transparent to analysis. It's the whole sunyata. All dharmas are empty of self. And this is the foundation, really, of all the paramitas. Wisdom means awareness of sunyata, and you attain that awareness by practicing generosity, morality, patience, energy, and meditation. And uh, through this, you realize that all things are impermanent. Nothing has self-nature. Uh, nothing can exist independently of any other phenomena. Uh, and it's a, uh, uh, it's just a marvelous thing. And uh, so, um, which paramita uh, is the real foundation of all this? It's wisdom, right? It, 
wisdom has to permeate all of them, but all of them also lead to wisdom. So how can that be? Well, that's uh, that's Buddhism for you. Um, that's exactly how it works. Uh, there, you're not going to develop one without the other. So um, it, these are mind states that we work on uh, to take the place of uh, negative and unwholesome and unhealthy mind states, right? Um, that's what they're called the six paramitas. They're transcendent perfections, uh, sometimes called pure, pure, pure lands. Um, 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 and um, um, so the um, uh, there is a really large body of work on discussing i mean every buddha scholar since buddha and even buddha talks a lot about the is very important subject um um so is um is altruism uh this quality of generosity and kindness uh, maybe it is maybe it isn't um but there there are uh different types of giving right you can give resources. You can give your own body. In fact, uh, it's said that in one of Buddha's previous lives, he uh, came upon a mother tiger, and she and her uh, cubs were starving. So he gave his own body to feed them. Uh, this is when he was a bodhisattva on his way to Buddhism. And there's also the giving of the roots of virtue. This is when you uh, help somebody who may be floundering, and you guide them. Um, um, when you have a strong sense of giving, uh, a calling to serve, uh, uh, that means when you give your – it is a, your roots of virtue. This means that you, you give without any thought, not even a thought of receiving. Um, um, there's no thought of self at all in, in your giving, and um, this is a very um, – um, important thing because the technique for becoming um, um, a good practitioner of living itself, a decent person, um, is to follow these six disciplines. And uh, we can all agree on these. We can all – they, they turn up in different um, um, forms, the Beatitudes, uh, et cetera. Um, um, the, generosity, though, seems to be very important um, among most of the scholars that talk about this, right? And um, um, with generosity, you open yourself and you give away everything, including yourself. Perfect, the perfection, um, the parameter, the perfection of generosity is you give everything, including yourself. This is not, by the way, martyrdom. This is not sacrifice. It's not martyrdom. But out of this. Um, generosity grows this transcendent discipline um, that arises. It's not a foolishness. Uh, people will not take advantage of you because this discipline, this wisdom, remember wisdom arises from this. And with discipline, you don't get tied up in your generosity. It does not rule you. You don't get um, uh, caught up in giving away too much. And um, you don't get a messiah complex because you give so much away that uh, um, you feel you're saving the world. And how many people have I had that discussion with? Well, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd I'd help others. I'd say, well, how would you do that? Well, you know, I'd feed the homeless and clothe the poor. And I say, so you have, you know, you win the lottery, you may have seventy million dollars. The government takes almost half of that in taxes. So you have $35 million. How many people are you going to feed, clothe, and house with that money? And I said, and once you've fed and clothed and housed them, are you going to then pay all their bills for the rest of their lives? Because a lot of the people that you're going to try to help aren't able to do that on their own. And uh, so this general, this instinct, well, if I get a lot of money, I'm not going to help. You know, buy an island, buy a car. I want to give it to other people. That's where wisdom comes in because that is one of the most foolish things you can do is think you're going to solve other people's problems with money. 
you could set up a foundation with that money to help educate people on how to take care of themselves. You you could. There are some very intelligent things you could do with that money other than just handing it out at random and say, oh, here, uh, um, you know, to people who have demonstrated, and I'm not being mean here, this is Dukkha, who demonstrated that they have no no idea how to manage their lives or money. Education would be a lot better. So this discipline, you don't get tied up in heroism, messiah complex, um, you don't give away too much. But out of that discipline also comes that patience, and you control your aggression um, by means of meditation. You develop um, uh, serenity through meditation, and by understanding uh, a sort of empathy that as I am, you are, as you are, I am. And you realize that the situation you're being frustrated about is probably a, a projection of some sort. And um, so you develop this sort of non-aggressive approach to um, things that might frustrate you. Um, not a not a passive aggressive approach like okay whatever man but a non aggressive approach and uh, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, Hanyuan again in a minute but out of this patience um, uh, and this generosity you find that you're not uh, exhausted uh, as we are because we're always uh, pushing against the nature of reality which as you know is impermanent. Uh, empty of self and subject to decay, you find that you're just you have a lot of energy, and so your exertion um, kicks in, and there's this great sense of joy um, that you take in your livelihood and in living and in the process of um, being, because you're, you're, the life is not being drained out of you by struggling with uh, the nature of the world and, and trying to bend it. Um, so this is, uh, in the order given, uh, once you have this peace of mind, it's not good to t take into meditation, anger, um, and sadness and depression and things. But once you've achieved this sort of equanimity, uh, you take it into meditation and meditation isn't just sitting, um, you know, on a pillow on the floor humming. Um, it means the, um, um, well, say you're sitting on a pillow. I, I know people, and I'm, I'm, I do the same thing. I've got a corner, and there's my Zafu that's on a pillow, and I say, I'm going to go over there and meditate now. That's not meditation. Meditation means you take your Zafu with you. It's stuck to your butt. And your meditation goes with you everywhere. It's not that 15 or 20 minutes or an hour you spend in the corner. Um, it does not mean merely sitting with your legs crossed meditating for that. Okay, I've, I've meditated for the day. No, you take that meditation with you. Um, um, so you always have an awareness of the meditative state. That is what we mean about the the perfection of the parimita of meditation. That yes, you do sit, you do sit and meditate, but you always take that meditative state with you. So after you you get this um, get this down, you know, you get the hang of it. It doesn't take that long. It's a it's a dedicated practice, like everything else. It takes practice. You know, juggling, riding a bike, swimming. It takes practice. And uh, you know, there are people who put more effort into um, learning how to work their smart TV than they would into a meditation practice. I mean, I've, I've talked to them about this. I say, you know, and you do that. Well, that seems like a lot of work at meditation stuff. And I say, you know, you, you, you're just explaining to me how you can do animation movies on your iPhone. And I have no idea how you would do that, but it had to take you some time to learn. And, and the time it took you to learn to make funny faces on your iPhone, you could have become very adept at meditation. And it's where you choose to put your energy, you see. So this extraordinary awareness and intelligence uh, becomes to open up, which is known as prana. That's wisdom. And this 
extraordinary wisdom and intelligence, um, you begin to develop a, a real sense of what mindfulness is, what awareness is. It's not an effort. Most of us have to make an effort to pay attention. But with this arising of prana, this arising of wisdom, this mindfulness thing just it go, it goes with you everywhere. It's it's like the um, um, this wisdom is being compared to the horse that pulls the chariot. It it pulls all the other uh, parimitas. Wisdom is the forerunner. It's the horse that pulls all the rest of them. Uh, this pranya, this wisdom, it knows where to go, how to go, what to do when you get there. So it's a very important part of practice. Uh, everything begins to, to make sense and uh, come together when you um, when you start to develop this. Um, it's uh, there's a uh, I don't remember where Zen Bones or somewhere. Um, it's in one of the Zen tests. It's, uh, all rivers go to the south, and that all rivers flow into the ocean, and that ocean is Pranya. Um, so uh, that's um, I don't know. That's a lot about the uh, um, um, about the the pranyas. So what does science have to say about it? It's like, well, okay, that sounds cool. What science? Well, and you know, you find some uh, very uh, bold claims about uh, mind states uh, in. Uh, uh, and some of like the new thought literature, and of course, Crystal Silence League is a new thought organization. And we, uh, there's a claim made, and we stand by it that if you change the way you think, you change reality. And um, it is true. And uh, science does provide a window into the cause and effect relationship between mind states and cognitive shifts and changes in reality. And the starting point of this phenomenon seems to be occur at a very tiny level. It's a synaptic gap between neurons. And synapses between brain cells, you know, neurons, are separated by this little tiny gap. And when a thought occurs, an electric spark jumps across this gap. And brain mapping, and, you know, that's how thought occurs. So brain mapping shows that the more a specific thought occurs, the more of that spark activity happens. So when frequent spark activity occurs between two specific neurons, those synapses will move closer together to increase speed and efficiency. This is real-world, documented, observable evidence that thought affects reality, that thought affects the solid reality of the brain. The more you think along a certain amount of lines, the neurons of the brain will actually move closer together to expedite that type of thinking. So very simply, this this implies the more we dwell on a specific happy thought, the more we train those happiness neurons to fire. Um, you know, conversely, though, the more you dwell on unhappy or angry thoughts, the more we train those gloomy and angry neurons to fire. So we're constantly programming our brains to think in specific ways. You know, we truly are what we think, as the Buddha said. Everything begins with thought. Thought leads to action. So further studies, now looking into this, and this is where things get really interesting, right, have shown that not only our own thoughts – but the thoughts of other people can affect this programming, this circuitry that we create. When we continually associate with other people who share strong feelings or attitudes, and we hear these ideas repeatedly, it, it's it's almost exactly the same as if we're thinking them ourselves. You hear this again and again and again. The neurons that don't know the difference, and it's like you're thinking it itself. This is the phenomenon behind mob mentality. And we have seen, we have seen how dangerous mob mentality is. We have seen it. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous the, the ideas are. If they're repeated often enough, they start to make sense. Because the brain starts to think along those lines more efficiently 
and this is where you get the um, uh, the psychologist Barry Singer said that when people develop like a conspiracy theory and they've arrived at it on their own, they will defend it uh, vigorously even when you present facts to the contrary. You present proof. No, look, this could not have happened. They will defend it because when you arrive at it on your own, you see your neurons, they, they've clung together, right? So this is why the Buddha emphasized the importance of spiritual friendship. By having a group of peers and spiritual friends, you learn more about being good people than you do than if you're in isolation or if you're uh, exposing yourself to a bunch of unwholesome ideas, right? So a related body of research, and this is where things start to get really down and dirty with the dukkha, right? Involves the relationship between mental states and health. Positive mental states produce neurotransmitters such as serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, which increase clarity and optimism and which actually stimulate the growth of nerve connections. This improves cognition. This increases productivity and attentiveness and generates more happiness. Well, stress and negativity produce uh, norepinephrine, cortisol, and other hormones which exhaust the body, exhaust the mind, deplete the neurotransmitters, and has the opposite effect. Cortisol has been linked with illnesses such as diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and some cancers. And furthermore, a negative and pessimistic outlook can easily spill over into depression. And pessimistic people, due to that repeated brain activity um, or you know, programming, I don't like to compare brains to computers. They don't work the same uh, in spite of what AI people may say brains and computers don't work the same, uh, and the related brain chemistry will often automatically just assume the worst. You know, the negative people they automatically assume the worst, expect setbacks to be forever. They will experience more difficulties in career, relationships, and school. And studies that have occurred by insurance companies with arterial tables, they they live shorter lives than uh, optimists. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You expect something to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. So what we learned from these studies, and you know, a lot of these studies were not really correlated. They, um, you know, I don't know if a lot. I, I did this research when I wrote my book, um, Crystal Magic. Um, so a lot of these studies, I don't know if they've ever been put together and overlap, but if you take all this information together and there's a lot of information like this um, what you, you learn three things that stand out when you when you go over these studies what we think truly does affect not only us but others and the, it benefits us to be selectively um, uh, thinking we should be selective concerning our friends and associates and number three our health is closely related to our mental states these are three demonstrable facts. These not theories are not new age um, um, wishful thinking. This this is you see it. It's it's been demonstrated. So can you change the way we think, or is our brain hardwired to be either positive or negative biased? Um, well, some people may have a natural disposition. You know, either through genetic predisposition childhood experiences uh, toward a certain mental state. Um, uh, but what we see here, and this is very exciting, it's possible to rewire that circuitry by changing the, the thinking. I think this is what cognitive behavioral therapy is all about. You rechange, you think, you change the thinking. And so when you catch, when we catch our minds wandering down these dark alleys, we can stop it with mindfulness and redirect our attention toward a broader area. And if you do it enough times, you redraw the brain map into a more positive landscape. And this is neuroscience confirming what uh, the meditative experts knew at least 3,000 years ago, the earliest recorded records of uh, meditative absorption, that the mind, the body follows the mind like the the cart follows the horse. Where the mind goes, the body will follow. And uh, um, 
it's it's a very very important thing to um uh, to understand we don't we don't always get that um so um um i think it's um uh, something to keep in mind i wanted to uh get um uh the th- about i had it here um well i just have a few minutes and uh i just lost it here let's see if i can pull it back up again ah the brahmaviras that's it um the brahmaviras are related to the paramitas and um these are called sources of happiness to living beings and uh they're the um um as we spoke about uh meta karuna mudita and uh equanimity and meta is um is uh is a a type of sympathetic love um to all people all sentient beings and it's described in the meta sutta which oh i wish i had time to read it we'll do it next time um as the the perfect love a mother feels for her favorite child uh karuna is compassion and uh, um it is the uh, the cultivated compassion, not the type of compassion that can create confusion, like aversion um, or sentimentality, but the compassion that all living creatures be freed from the conditions of suffering. Um, mudita is called sympathetic joy, and that's been described as the joy you feel when your favorite child accomplishes something. You know that you go, yay, good for you, good for you. We're supposed to feel that for everybody. You know, someone gets a promotion. You know, we got sympathetic joy instead of resentment and jealousy. Um, somebody's having a really good relationship instead of hating them and be jealous. We have sympathy. Good for them. You know, oh, I'm so happy for them. Sympathetic joy. It's the joy you feel for someone you love who's received a great honor or has achieved something. We feel that for everybody. And in the uh, uh, Brahmavira practices, it says put someone you love in front of you in your meditation and feel these uh, uh, meta karuna mudita toward them. Now put somebody that you don't know that well. Now put somebody who has harmed you in front of you and feel these for them. Uh, sympathy, compassion, kindness, sympathetic joy. And then put somebody who – the worst enemy you've ever had, the person who's harmed you the most, put them in front of you and feel the same thing and now project this to all sentient beings. And uh, I'll tell you, the practice gets harder and harder. And through this, there's the fourth um, Brahma-Vihara, equanimity, the perfect virtue of equanimity, which is being free from attachment to everything and being indifferent to ups and downs. And it says in the Dhammapada, like the stone remains unmoved by the storm and the wind, so does the sage remain unmoved by praise or blame. And that's a very good um, – uh, description of equanimity you're you're not affected either way and uh, so these are the brahma vihiras which is uh, called living in the brahma heaven or the the living in the pure land we may pick this up next time uh, for now we have to go and as always uh, the reverend loves you and we'll see you next week this has been the crystal silence league hour Heard exclusively on the LMC Radio Network. Join us next time for spiritual fellowship and discussion of spirituality, prayer, and advice on the practical use of crystals. It's been 30 days since the county bought it up my window and took the kids away. A simple life disappeared on tiptoe. Talking to a man who reads tomorrow's past and present mysteries. He's an Eastern band, Cherokee, rich with family history. He shepherds the church of divine harmony, serving lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee. He faithfully prays with the crystal 